Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. I got sent a, uh, a, a tweet, but we call it a post now, from uh, David, who I, I, I do some work with and is a friend. And it was a tweet from Libs of TikTok. And I knew once you see Libs of TikTok, you're like, oh, this is this is not going to be good. This is, this is not going to be good at all. Because what Libs of TikTok does, what, um, what she has put together here, is seeing what it is the progressives are doing and posting and simply reposting it, saying, hey, look at this. Hey, look at this. Hey, look at this. Every time there's some teacher, some activist wanting to tell you that it's okay to mutilate children because they know their gender and you have to listen to them. Uh, Some teacher who is engaged in, in activism and not education. And you're like, what is happening? She's like, look at this. That's all she does. That is that is the entirety of her account with 2.5 million followers. That's how unbelievably effective she is. So much so that people like Taylor Lawrence uh, of the Washington Post have doxed her, putting out, going to her home and trying to get interviews from, was it family members? I, I think if I have the story right there. Um, by the way, even mentioning Taylor Lawrence could very well get me sued. Oh, well, these things happen. Uh, it's not, I'm not saying anything out of school. I'm not saying anything that hasn't been reported. These are the things that, that, have, that have happened. She has been under attack for posting what other people have already posted. She's reposting it. They have said uh, that what she is... I'm, I, I've never pronounced her name uh, properly. Is it, is it Chaya Rachik? Is it Chaya? C-H-A-Y-A? Uh, I'm just, I don't watch the news. I read, and so I'm horrible at pronunciation sometimes. And I do apologize for, for, for that. Um, she's trying to get gay people and trans people killed. How? Well, she's mocking them. She's sharing what it is that they have posted. That is not mocking. There's no editing that's going on. Here's their two-minute clip. Check out the two-minute clip, everybody. That's what she does. But this one that I got from David. Uh, M. David Welch on Twitter, and thank you. Um, An actual middle school teacher at Seymour Community Schools in Indiana. Of course, I live in Indiana. I broadcast out of Indianapolis. What would you do if you dropped your kid off and this is what greeted you? It is a man wearing um, eye makeup in like a rainbow, a T-shirt that says ally over a uh, rainbow flag, and a cape with like... um, like like shoulder pads almost, like it was like a, some kind of Roman armor that are rainbows. And on the back, it says, you matter to me in a rainbow flag. And then a heart that is the flag, not only the, not only the traditional rainbow flag, but this whole uh, LGBTQIA plus political movement flag. Let me say it again. The rainbow flag had a purpose. 
if we go back to the days of Stonewall, if we go back to the days of, of, of Greenwich Village, if we go back to the days of trying to mark places that were safe for gay Americans, that's what the rainbow flag was doing. Now, that flag which has been bastardized because these people don't actually care about those who actually fought for gay rights. They don't give a damn about people who are gay or lesbian. It is a political movement where they will tell people who are gay, you haven't done enough. I mean, the movement hates gay people. The, the, the people who fly this, this political flag hate gay people. Certainly, if you feel hate is too strong, have no respect for them. You have to be totally down. And what would make me think that somebody is gay, who, who is gay, is somehow down with the idea that children should be allowed to mutilate themselves or, 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 or approve medical procedures that mutilate them? What? Why would you? Well, it's LGBTQIA+. Whoa, whoa, whoa. That's a political movement. Someone who's gay or somebody who's lesbian might not be down with the idea of children being mutilated. And they might not be down with the T at all because many are not. That's why you have gays against groomers and a whole host of other uh, groups. One of the reasons I discuss this here so often, and I hope you get passionately, is because I find it disgusting when people are lumped into groups, lumped into political movements. Gay men, lesbian women, they have their own minds and their own thoughts and their own ideas and their own philosophies, and they may not be down with the T. The B, which is bisexual, may not be down with the T. The letters are a political movement. And more and more that political movement is driven by preying on unwell people. This guy is wearing a cape and the back of it says you matter to me with that flag in a heart and a t-shirt that says ally. And he's standing next. Oh, wait, hold on. There's the tutu. There's the multicolored tutu. And he's got a, uh, 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 he's standing next to a woman who's wearing a wig, uh, multicolored and a t-shirt that says be kind. And the, the it's be, it says it's written be kind like 10 times and, in, in different parts of the rainbow, and uh, she's uh, carrying uh, that 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 um, political symbol flag, uh, you know, that then has the triangle coming into it and all sorts of stuff and all the different colors, and she's wearing uh, the rainbow tutu, and he has a tattoo. I assume it's not a permanent tattoo. It's on his arm, it's on his forearm, and it says, you matter. And the matter part is a rainbow, it's, it's written in rainbow colors, and the you part, in the O of U Y O U is a fist, like a solidarity fist or an Antifa fist. Now, when I reposted this, I stated that people think the Midwest is immune. It is not. And I would love to speak to Chai Rachik about it. I would invite her out to Indianapolis or if there's someplace else we could do this. I, I, I'll, 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 I'll gladly pay for it. I'll write the check. I will bring you out. We will, we will sell out the room. We will sell out the venue. I would love to engage these conversations with you and what it is you've experienced. I, I tweeted this out that the Midwest is not immune. What would you do if you dropped your kid off and this is what greeted you? 
When I, I, I post, that's, that's what she said. I said I would talk about it. And one of the responses that I, I received was rather peculiar. It was a response of, I think this is great. And I said, you think this is great? I said to, to, to myself, you think, you think this is, is, is great? What, what about this? Is, is is great. And they wrote, this makes me feel proud to be an Indiana mom. I feel so much better knowing that LGBTQ students and LGBTQ parents like myself are represented. It's at that moment I said, here's a great example of the disconnect. What do you mean represented? And why does that matter to you? What does it mean and why does it matter? The teacher's job is to teach the subject matter at hand. Let's say the subject matter is math. Math is a very, very, very simple subject. I'm not saying that the math itself is simple. There is in a, there is a problem. There is a way to solve the problem. And then there is the answer to the problem. There is the problem. Two, two plus two. There is a way to solve the problem. You take this and you take the plus and that means addition and you put these numbers together and you get an answer. And then there's the answer. It's four. Two plus two is never a gay pride flag. Two plus two is never somebody's sexuality. Two plus two is never the history of somebody's dating life. Two plus two is not activism. Two plus two is four. Always has been, always will be. There is no other answer and every other answer is wrong. That's why math is simple. The answer is the answer. Now, if we want to argue how you get there, well, that's an argument. I think that's where people tried to go with common core math and making things much more difficult than they needed to be. Three times two. Three times two is the problem. Then there's the way you handle the problem and how you multiply these numbers together. You can do two, three times or three twice and put that together. And then there's the answer. Three times two is six. The answer to three times two is never cut off my genitalia. Never. I don't care how many times you do the math problem. I don't care what language you write it in. It makes no difference if you do it in the dark or in the brightest sunshine. It doesn't matter if you do it a weekday, a weekend. It doesn't matter if you do it on holidays. Three times two is never remove the genitalia. Three times two is never top surgery. Ever. It's six. Three times two is six. Two plus two is four. But this woman, seeing this guy dressed this way, makes her feel proud knowing that LGBTQ students and parents like herself, or himself, are represented. How do you think that's representing anyone? And why does the representation matter? Because the representation doesn't matter. What matters is the kid, the student, walks away knowing that 2 plus 2 is 4 and 3 times 2 is 6. 
Every other answer you give is wrong. And this is where the divide is. We have parents, we have grown adults who think that this teacher dressed this way is what matters. And it's not. A teacher dressed this way is taking away from what matters. And there are people upset that we notice that a teacher dressed this way, engaged in this kind of political sloganeering, isn't the best teacher for our kids. Because this teacher is not interested that two plus two is four. This teacher is interested in what is not the answer. They're interested in fundamentally something else. And I don't say that they can't be interested in that. I'm saying they can't also teach our children. I'm saying it. Now, you'll note that I did not say that somebody who is gay can't teach our children. Because that is not my issue. In my life, going to school, I never asked a teacher about their sexuality a day in my life. I also never asked about their religion. I didn't ask them who they were dating. It never, ever, ever came up. Ever. And I would assume for the vast majority that is true too. I don't argue that teachers shouldn't talk to students. I don't argue that teachers shouldn't engage with students. I think that'd be weird. But teachers have become under the illusion the delusion that the classroom is their own personal theater theater, and their own personal grievance center and their own personal soapbox. I have these trapped students and I can manipulate them. I can uh, try and re-educate them. I can force my own theories and thoughts on them. And that's not what school's about. School is about two plus two equals four. School is about how to conjugate the verb. School is about the understanding of history. Note that I didn't say there couldn't be difficult conversations that take place. I'm saying that there is no place for the teacher to decide that their own personal feelings matter more than the education. That's somebody who isn't interested in teaching. That's somebody who needs therapy. And my child is not there to be your therapist, if only because my kid's not getting paid $275 an hour, which would go a long way to paying for college. You should not feel proud that this is happening in schools. You don't need to be represented. Neither, by the way, does anybody who's Jewish or white or black or Hispanic or what have you. The school needs to teach. You might be gay. You might be black. You might be Jewish. You might be this, that, or the other. Those things are happening, and I'm not telling you you have to hide. I'm saying to you, you don't get to lecture and you don't get to engage in a propaganda war. And if you're focused on carrying this flag, which is a political symbol, you can't possibly be focused on math. And since you got hired for math, you got to go. Yes, you have to go. Anybody who is focused on their political alliances and allegiances more than they're focused on educating the child in front of them has to go. A standard has to be met. And political symbols like a gay pride flag in today's world can't be welcome in the classroom because it isn't a sign 
of welcoming. It isn't a sign of representation. It's a sign of bigotry. And I'm willing to take that fight on with anyone. I'm Tony Katz. Dow is up 89. NASDAQ is up 38. Stellantis trying to avoid the strike from United Auto Workers. It was GM that said, hey, we'll do a 10% pay increase. To which uh, the uh, head of the UAW, uh, Sean Fain, said, you shut your dirty mouth. He wasn't that kind about it. Stellantis now offering 14.5%. The problem is that the union wants a 40% increase. I think these people are going on strike. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. What's going on, everybody? It's good to be with you. 14.5% wage increase over a four-year term of the deal. Newer in progression employees would get a 27% boost to their starting wages. Six years versus eight years under the current deal to advance to the maximum wage rate. Um, and then uh, a $6,000 one-time inflation protection payment in the first year of a deal. And then an additional $4,500 in additional payments over the following three years. So think of it as a signing bonus, I guess is the best way to put it. Uh, GM offered a deal uh, somewhat like this. Uh, the union said, uh, and I think they're going to say to Solantis as well. I think, I think they're going to go on strike. I really and truly believe that they're going to go on strike. I could be wrong. Then there was this piece... Uh, Sarah, let's make sure we put this at TonyCats.com. Shrink and theft losses near $1 billion at Lowe's. uh, the, the, The theft? The theft is up to a billion dollars? But they're offering a little more detail about the shrink or items lost to factors like external or employee theft, damage or vendor fraud. Vendor fraud? Is this, because, is this starting to grow? I mean, I'm sure these things happen, but we don't really hear about those things often. I, there, there are some arguments being made that the, the theft conversation affecting profit lines, bottom lines, profit margins and bottom lines, maybe not as great as was originally thought. But every time one of these conversations comes up, it starts with the level of theft that's going on. Dick Sporting Goods lost about $27 million in the three-month period ending July 29th. Target $219 million. So is uh, the, the argument about how the margin is being squozen? Or is the argument about why the margin is being squozen, which, of course, would be part of the theft conversation? Is this nothing more than companies trying to figure out a way to repackage the losses as a way that will be palatable to, to shareholders? You have massive theft going on across the country. Why are we trying to hide that? Because if we talk about it openly, it'll be a question of why don't the cities that you're in do something about it, and now you're going to be pitted against possibly people you align with politically? Wait, I'm on to something, aren't I? I'm on. You felt it. You felt it. Ooh, yeah. 
I think I'm on to something. This is Tony Katz today. Find everything at TonyKatz.com. Yesterday, I brought up to you the story of the mayor of New York, Eric Adams, and how he is recognizing, uh, of course, that uh, the situation is untenable when it comes to illegal immigrants, when it comes to migrants that have been sent to New York. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Great to be with you. Find everything at TonyKatz.com. You have uh, the governor of Texas, Greg Abbott, and others who have been sending migrants to New York. Well, why not? Why can't they go to New York? These people aren't coming to Texas. They're coming to the United States. Everyone should feel it. Nantucket should feel it, and D.C. should feel it, and Philadelphia should feel it, and San Francisco, and Los Angeles, and especially these places that were crowing about being sanctuary cities. Oh, they weren't so happy when, unless they were talking about being a sanctuary city. Let's go back to Eric Adams, the mayor of New York, in 2021. When you think about it, uh, the days I spent uh, with our essential employees, a substantial number of them were uh, undocumented. Uh, they were delivering our Uber Eats. Uh, they were stocking our stores. They were out in the streets keeping our city running. We have to expand uh, NYC care to make sure everyone has health care. We need to make sure we have proper translation services in our schools. So just two years ago, there was no problem whatsoever. Just two years ago, everything was fine, completely fine. As a matter of fact, we should be doing more for illegal immigrants. But two days ago, much different tune. The New Yorkers, never in my life have I had a problem that I did not see an ending to. I don't see an ending to this. I don't see an ending to this. This issue will destroy New York City. Well, that's a statement right there. So much of a statement that the ladies on The View decided to comment. Why do you need to hear this? Because you need it. You need to see how a story is spun. And you need to see what happens when you're on the political left and you don't absolutely adhere to the leftist dogma. Uh, this this is how they set it up. This is how uh, Joy Behar uh, played it off. At town hall this week, uh, commented on how the migrant crisis is affecting the city. Uh, it's getting a lot of attention. He needs money. And he's out there asking for help. Watch. I don't see an ending to this. This issue will destroy New York City. We had a $12 billion deficit that we're going to have to cut. Every service in this city is going to be impacted. It's going to come to your neighborhoods. All of us are going to be impacted by this. I said it last year when we had 15,000. I'm telling you now, with 110,000, the city we knew, we're about to lose. A little dramatic, isn't it? A little dramatic? That's your response? 
You can't afford the people. It's destroying your city. You have got crime problems. You have got all sorts of issues. And what's your response, Joy Behar? We're about to lose. A little dramatic, isn't it? (laughs) Seems a bit dramatic. He's got a flair for drama. Yeah. And there's Anna Navarro. Oh, he's got a flair for drama. How dare you? How dare you say that this problem that Democrats refuse to engage in, that Democrats have been screaming for sanctuary cities, where Democrats have been screaming for open borders, how dare you say that's now a problem? How dare you speak the truth? But Joy Behar, being a good ABC soldier, has the question in front of her and it has to get asked. But he has been critical of the Biden administration for months. He doesn't get support from the government, he's saying. And the Republicans love this, you know, because this is right up their alley for for somebody like a a New York sanctuary city to be complaining about migrant problem, migrant problem. So, well, it is ironic, right? You're a sanctuary city complaining about migrant problems where your mayor just said it will destroy you. So I don't know if that's if that if Republicans are loving it as much as saying, why aren't we doing something about it? And by the way, you know what Republicans are also saying this about Republicans. The Republican Party hasn't moved hard enough on this either. There's enough blame to go around. It's just Republican cities weren't screaming about being sanctuary cities. They weren't like the mayor of Philadelphia dancing like a freak when they became a sanctuary city. So let me ask you a question. Did, is he right? Um, who should take the blame for all of this now? Because there are about 100,000 migrants in New York City right now, and they, people keep coming. You have to understand, these are desperate people. These are not people who are coming here because they, you know, feel like it. They're not tourists. No. Hold on a second. Can we discuss the difference between migrants and illegal immigrants and migrants and refugees? An illegal immigrant is somebody who uh, sneaks their way into the country. A migrant is someone who comes to another country for uh, economic reasons. They want to, they're looking for the better life. The asylum seeker can't go back home because they'll be killed. Now, we have NGOs, non-governmental organizations, that teach people to lie when they reach the border. They teach them to lie. To say, oh my gosh, uh, uh, here, here's how you apply for asylum. I can't go back. You have to give me this. You have to do that. And then they use the U.S. laws against the U.S. The U.S. by saying, okay, we have to have a court date and a hearing and this, that, and the other. 2.5 million cases are in the backlog. 2.5 million people, cases in backlog. I don't know if that's just individuals or whole families. That has to be gone through in the United States. You're talking about years before any of these people see a judge, and now they're in the U.S. And now they're in the U.S. I mean, this is an an issue. Who's to blame for all this? No, the majority of them are coming from Venezuela. They're also coming Which from Africa. Yeah. They're coming from torn, torn, uh, war-torn countries and politically torn countries, and they're looking for refuge. And I thought this country, with its big, you know, statute of liberty, give me your, your week and, and all of this, is supposed to be the country that accepts people. Oh, that's Sonny Hostin, who has no argument except to say a poem by Emma Lazarus, I guess... That's the entirety of the nation. The poem at the bottom of the Statue of Liberty is called The New Colossus. And Emma Lazarus is somebody 
who escaped hell uh, in in Poland and Ger- was she in Poland or or was she in Germany? True hell is what she escaped. And this is the poem. If, if you've never heard it, not like the brazen giant of Greek fame with conquering limbs astride from land to land, here at our sea-washed sunset gate shall stand a mighty woman with a torch whose flame is the imprisoned lightning and her name, mother of exiles, from her beacon hand glows worldwide welcome, her mild eyes command the air-bridged harbor that twin cities frame. Keep, ancient lands, your storied pomp, cries she with silent lips. Give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free, the wretched refuse of your teeming shore. Send these, the homeless, tempest-tossed to me. I lift my lamp beside the golden door. It's actually quite beautiful. But it's not a policy. Give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free. Not be free, breathe free. People always get that part wrong. That is not a policy. That is a poem. It's a poem of what? How we try to uh, be better. How we put ourselves in the, in the, in this place of trying to, to uh, achieve greatness how we engage the, the concepts and the thoughts and the philosophies of, 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 of being welcoming, of being a place that this is the last refuge on earth. This is the place that you dreamed of and this is the place where your dreams can happen. I actually believe in all of those things. But I also believe in the rule of law. And I also believe in recognizing the reality in front of us. Just like I was talking about with Trump and the and the, the, the unindicted co-conspirators and that whole release from Georgia. Uh, Senator Lindsey Graham is on the list. Former Senators Loeffler and Purdue are on the list. Well, the the Georgia uh, grand jury there, uh, we, we thought there should be charges, but the charges weren't brought. So these were unindicted what? Unindicted co-conspirators? That's what they are? The, the list released? The reality in front of us is this very much looks like uh, trying to put your thumb on the scales of an election. It's absolutely what it looks like. The reality is that you have a DA who's trying to silence Republicans and trying to affect an election. And if you say to me, well, Tony, look what they did. What do you mean what they did? You could have done this two years ago and not had an issue, a year ago and not had an issue. You're doing it in the midst of a presidential election. The reason for this timing is purposeful. But back to this poem. And back to this this maddening take from pseudo-intellectuals like Sonny Hostin. Being a nation that is accepting is exactly what we should be. Doesn't mean we can't question who we're accepting. Doesn't mean that sometimes the inn is full doesn't mean that we allow our own system to be abused, doesn't mean it should cost our fellow Americans millions and millions and millions and billions and billions and trillions of dollars, doesn't mean it should cost them their safety and security, doesn't mean it should cost them the safety and security of their children. It doesn't mean any of these things. 
It doesn't mean we accept people kidnapping women and children, raping them along the way, and then dropping them off to die in the middle of the wilderness so the drugs could be trafficked. It doesn't mean accepting the fentanyl deliveries. I've got the governor of California, Gavin Newsom, who Democrats, it would seem, really want to be the nominee, or at least some do, get Biden off the ticket, put Newsom on the ticket. He's sending more troops to the California border to stop the flow of fentanyl. They stopped 28,000 pounds of fentanyl from getting into the United States last year. The, the California National Guard, along with Border Patrol. The fentanyl is an act of war, just so we're all fully aware. The fentanyl is an act of war, and I think we should be treating it like that. But let's get back to Sunny Host, and let me go back to what it is that she said. Many of them are coming from Venezuela. They're also coming Which from is Africa. Yeah. They're coming from torn, uh, war-torn countries and politically torn countries, and they're looking for refuge. And I thought this country, with its big, you know, statute of liberty, give me your, your week and, and all of this, is supposed to be the country that accepts people. Yes. And um, I'm disappointed in Mayor Adams. I understand that there's a problem. He also, lawmakers in New York also set aside more than $1.5 billion to aid the city this last legislative session. How much? Um, so $1.5 billion. But he, so says he, needs 12. 12. he says he needs 12, but $1.5 billion is nothing to sniff, about, up, a sniff at. $140 million in federal funding from shelters has already been received. And let's remember that immigrants are a record share of U.S. workers. At this point, one in five workers last year were born outside the U.S. to parents who aren't American citizens. The share of immigrants in the workforce rose to 18.1% percent last year and so immigrants aren't coming here just to play around they're coming here for a better life not a policy here is sunny hostin refusing to recognize the issue she wants to pretend that she is smarter than the rest above it all you're just not caring The city can't survive. The city is being destroyed. The crime has increased. The the garbage uh, has increased. The issues of degradation have increased. We can't do it. We cannot do it. This is a great example of what the fantasy is. And the romanticism is versus the people like myself, like you, most probably, who engage in reality. The reality dictates that we cannot keep up with this and it has to stop. A change has to come. A reckoning is here. Sonny Hostin, well, you're just hateful of these immigrants. You don't care. They just want a better life. So do my children. And they can't have it if we have this border policy. Now what? What Sonny Hostin won't do is the thing we do all the time. A, recognize reality, and B, accept the fact that, as Thomas Sowell explained, there are no solutions, there are only trade-offs. I sometimes say it differently on the show. I rank these things. I don't doubt that that a, a good majority of people coming to the country just want a better life. I don't doubt that. But the choice is their kids or my kids, and my kids are American citizens, so therefore my kids come first. If that is offensive to you, I'm sorry, you're not serious, because your kids come first too. I didn't say my kids come across uh, uh, over your kids. Our kids equally come first. The children of the United States come first. Then the children of every other country. Now, if you want to go about ranking those countries, you're more than welcome to. I'm not going to do that. 
The children of the United States come first. The citizens of the United States come first. The welfare of the United States comes first. The cleanliness of the United States comes first. The security and safety and growth and opportunity of the United States comes first for the United States citizen first. I believe in legal immigration. I believe that we must do great things to make the system better. But I don't believe that we should be abused and we should be destroyed and be ruined under this guise of, well, don't you want to be decent? The person not decent here is Sonny Houston. And the people who are just slamming uh, Eric Adams, who has finally seen the light, like uh, Anna Navarro and Joy Behar. Well, you're not supposed to follow these people anyway. I'm Tony Katz. This is Tony Katz today. I guess there's no such thing as too old. That's what we're learning. What does it matter what's happened to Mitch McConnell, Dianne Feinstein, Joe Biden? No, 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 no. Nancy Pelosi is running for re-election. Be cool, honey bunny. Be cool. Yeah, I'll, I'll be I'll be cool. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. She's 83. And she is running for re-election. You're talking about the former speaker of, of, of the House here. She's going to run in 2024. Now more than ever, our city needs us to advance San Francisco values and further our recovery. Our country needs America to show the world that our flag is still there with liberty and justice for all. This is why I am running for re-election and respectfully ask for your vote. She has represented San Francisco since 1987. And let me tell you, San Francisco values, this is what America needs. I don't need to step in any more crap than I already have. Thank you very much, Nancy. This is Tony Katz today.